Good morning, everyone. I greet you in Jesus' name and invite you to open your Bibles to a familiar passage, a lovely passage, a challenging passage, John 15. And we want to uh, read through the first 11 verses. This, the message this morning is not an exposition on, these, on this passage, but it is uh, the foundation that I'd like to begin from. John 15, beginning at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit... He purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. <clears throat> we, we know how this works here, what he's talking about. He makes it clear that, that uh, Christ is the vine, the Father is the husbandman, and we are the branches. The Christians are the branches. And there are a number of references here to fruit bearing, that he wants the branches to be fruitful branches. The Father wants fruit. And he discards in the second verse fruitless branches. He cuts them off and pitches them away. In verse 6, they are cast forth and burned. Uh, back in verse 2, he prunes the branches to uh, increase fruit. But there must be a connection in verse 4, abide in me and I in you in order for there to be fruit. The only way to produce fruit is with a connection between the branch and the vine. Without that, there will not be fruit. 
And in verse 5, those who abide bring forth much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. We can do nothing of eternal value, nothing that will please the Father or glorify God. But with Him, we can be fruitful. There can be fruit. And in verse 8, the Father is glorified by our fruitfulness. So we must be abiding in Him to be fruitful Christians. Abiding is sometimes translated dwelling in, living in, like living in a home, remaining in a place. There's a, there's a thought of permanence with it. And the reference, what it's referring to, is a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. Like John said in 1 John 5, verse 12, He that hath a son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That's a pretty, pretty stark statement. He that hath the Son, he that hath a relationship with the Son has life. And if we don't, we don't have life. And neither do we have fruit. Like Paul wrote to the Colossians in Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And he's not just referring there to words in our mind like vocabulary, uh, Christian vocabulary or Bible verses that we have memorized, but that the word, the message, the person of Christ has its home in us. And abiding involves all of life, this abiding. It involves all of a Christian's life. We're to be fruitful in every area of our life. One one critical part of abiding is our devotional life. Bible reading and prayer time with the Lord. I've been fortunate to have never needed to go to the hospital as a patient so far. Uh, I've been there with family, close family. I've visited other people there often. But one thing I have noticed uh, different times when I'm there, and you have too, is a nurse. A nurse coming around and taking vital signs, temperature, blood pressure, pulse. And it's just done as a matter of course. They come in and wake a peacefully sleeping patient to see if they're still alive. <laughs> and <clears throat> But an elevated temperature means something isn't like it should be. Maybe an infection or a virus or something going on, a rapid pulse or high blood pressure. They want to figure out what's what's wrong, or things or or are things okay? And what about our spiritual health? What are the vital signs of our spiritual 
health. Well, one, one good thermometer, one good measure is our devotional life. So if somebody's dead, there isn't any. Or if somebody is going from spiritually healthy to spiritually sick, one of the first things that begins to slip is daily devotions. Somebody struggling, living in defeat, almost always their devotional life is not going well. Their pulse is feeble. And in any vibrant, victorious Christian, radiating the joy, the joy of the Lord, you can mark it down. There is a good devotional life going on in that person, in that disciple. I think every time. So we want to think about devotions this morning. And let's be idealistic and think about a perfect devotions. I'd like to like to review some things that uh, I think would be characteristics of a perfect devotions. And, and the things that I'm going to say are not groundbreaking new thoughts. But I find it this way. <clears throat> That, you know, I can read an article about healthy eating or diet or exercise, something that is that would be good for me. And it gives me a little fresh encouragement and zeal. Hey, this it calls attention to an area that needs attention. And and um, so this is kind of that that sort of review. And I hope that it encourages all of us and inspires us uh, maybe to some reflection, to take our pulse, as it were, and uh, maybe inspire us to, to pick up the pace, to do a little better or do much better, whatever the need might be. And, uh, and I need these reminders, too. And the first characteristic that I want to emphasize is regularity. Regularity, a pattern of planned events. The perfect devotions doesn't just happen with occasional random times of looking at something in the Bible. But there was one yesterday and the day before and the day before. Not like a week ago or a couple weeks ago, I had a few minutes and I read a little bit. But there is consistency. There is a daily, a daily time, a plan that is followed. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice, said the psalmist in Psalm 55. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. He said, some like the morning, some like the evening. Maybe one works better for you than another, 
But, you know, we eat regularly and we're most of us are pretty careful about that. We don't miss many meals unless we're planning and having a a fasting for one reason or another. But a time comes when the table's going to be set and we sit down there and we eat. And this is even more important. And it is important that it is regular and often. This is the uh, characteristic that can become a form. It is structure. It is habit. Can be, uh, it's a pattern of doing something over and over. There's content, continuity. And it can be lifeless in itself. It's not just the routine that blesses us. You know, like churches can become lifeless and have a form but not power. Uh, so can just the routine of, okay, I pick up the Bible and I read chapter this and that and the next or whatever I'm reading and I say a quick prayer and then I'm off to life. And But uh, that's not how it's supposed to be. But a consistent, regular devotions is a critical characteristic of a good devotional life. It's necessary for sustaining life and growth. That's one. The second that I have is uh, preparation. A little preparation is a good thing. Uh, First, you know that we get somewhere where it's quiet, uh, where... We can block out distractions, things that make it easy for our mind and our heart to go off course, and how many such things there are. Uh, silent, silence the cell phone, put it away, get away from email and other reading or anything else that to-do lists, block them out, set them aside. And, um, and consciously, uh, we're focusing on God. We want to center our thoughts on Him. He is real. He is here. I want to commune with Him. I want to hear from Him. I want to speak to Him. And we need to check our heart. Our heart needs to be prepared. Is there something that's wrong? Am I coming to this quiet time and my heart is uneasy and there's guilt? There's something not right there. Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. So if I was just storming at my brother and then went to my quiet time, this storm is fresh in my mind. That wasn't right. Or something that we weren't, didn't have a right attitude about or didn't do right or, and this is on our mind. Maybe we have to step back outside to where 
and make something right before we can peacefully sit down there and have our devotional time. It'll surely go better if that's taken care of. Now maybe it's something we can't go and take care of just in the next minute. But we can before God. Okay, Lord, that was wrong. I am going to make that right. And and clear it that way. And then certainly we need to follow up. And we want to pray. God, I'm here to meet with you. Ask God to speak. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And we want to commit ourselves to, you know, we're disciples here before the Lord. And we want to follow what we learn. And Ezra was an outstanding uh, Old Testament character. And it says of him, Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. That was how he prepared his heart. And that had a lot to do with the kind of, of uh, life, the kind of character he had, and how useful he was in God's work. So there's, um, we need to be prepared. That's a, a preparation as a characteristic. A third characteristic is sufficient time that there is enough time devoted to this discipline. Sometimes it's called a discipline. And if you struggle with devotional life, it's, it's an apt term. How much is enough? Is a verse of the day on a flip calendar that's sitting on my dresser is that enough? And then I can pray while I put on my socks. Is a chapter of Scripture enough? The time it takes to read that. Is 10 minutes enough? A half an hour? More? How much more? Well, the Bible doesn't really tell us. It doesn't say thou shalt spend X amount of time each day in fervent devotions. The Bible would indicate that there are distractions and that there can easily be too little time. That it's easy to cave into to other things that seem urgent, that are competing for our attention, and that too little priority is given to this uh, very important time of my day. Jesus said that Mary had chosen the best, that Martha was wrapped up in the ki- too wrapped up in the cares of the kitchen. So challenge number one with that question of time is the importance, the priority that we place on it. And challenge number two is time management. Making sure there's a time slot, a place in all the business, in all the responsibilities, in all the demands and pressures that are part of 
our lives to fit this in? Well, I think that challenge number two, the time management challenge, is largely answered by challenge number one. How important we consider it. If it is truly important to us, we're much more likely to make room in the day for it to happen. And one group of people maybe facing the biggest challenges with this and for whom I have great respect is mothers with little ones. Interruptions, constant care, sleepless nights, sick babies, sick children. God loves you. God understands. And there are others too. They're not the only ones who have, have uh, find it difficult to find time. But if, if it is important, and God says it is, uh, I think there are creative ways that, there are creative ways that many moms have found uh, audio, Bible, uh, on CD or or uh, some kind of audio scripture reading, uh, praying at the sink, uh, verses on the mirrors. Um, one mother I remember hearing about one time began reading only Bible stories to her little son. And he enjoyed them. And she found, and he was eager to hear more. And she was blessed too, just by reading the Bible stories even, that she was getting spiritual food. But for all of us, you know, looking for enough time for devotions may mean sacrificing something else, maybe other reading or another activity, maybe even something that seemed kind of important. But, you know, sacrificing is part of worship, isn't it? Too quick, too quickly finished, too quickly ready to go on and leave it and be done. And we've probably not gotten the nutrition that we need, nor God the worship that He deserves. And that's an important important characteristic, enough time. A fourth characteristic, <clears throat> meaning. Now these could be put in different order, but I have this one here, that our devotion, this perfect devotions would, would uh, have meaning. It would have spiritual significance. And that's affected by how much time, how frequently, 
how prepared we are and what happens during. But it's a genuine, for real time with the Lord. We mean it. We're serious about it. It means something to us. It's worthwhile. Something happens. It's not just an empty exercise. And meaningful devotions can only happen if we meet someone. God the Father, God the Son, through the Word and the Spirit of God. You know, we can learn the doctrines of the Bible, the creation, the fall of man, salvation, the Holy Spirit, and on and on. We can learn the commandments, thou shalt not kill, love one another, and we can learn the promises, come ye that labor and are heavy laden, all things work together for good to them that love God. But you know, knowing about doctrines and commandments and promises isn't enough in itself. We don't know the book. We don't really know the book till we know the message. We don't know the message till we know the messenger. We must meet the person. The Word, the fulfillment of the Old Testament, the revelation of the New Testament. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was was God. Many Christians experience desert places, dry places, where they go through the motions, but it's empty and nothing is really happening. They, they haven't, they're not meeting God. But when a prepared heart, a serious, fervent heart, meets God and has communion with Him, Communion with the God of heaven. It is meaningful. That would be a characteristic of a perfect devotional time. A fifth characteristic is worship. We would expect that. A response to God. A response expressed to God. When we meet God, we worship Him. We love Him. We love Him because He first loved us. We adore Him. We are in awe of Him. I will lay mine hand upon my mouth, Job said as he worshipped God. I will praise Him. Because Thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise Thee. And there is thankfulness, a gratefulness for what is ours through Jesus Christ. So that certainly should be a part of a perfect devotions, worship. A sixth uh, characteristic is illumination. And we've kind of touched on that already. And, uh, but it is where the light shines on our soul, on our mind. There is spiritual food 
received. That's kind of a mixed metaphor, isn't it? But we're learning. There is knowledge of God and God's character. A better understanding of myself, of my condition, my need. There is wisdom imparted. There is guidance and direction as as a prepared heart meets with God and the Spirit of God works in his heart. When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, Jesus said. So we're reading the Bible and we're learning about God. We're hearing from God. So where do we read? We have the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. It's all God's Word. It is all valuable. I would encourage us that being New Testament Christians, we spend more time in the New Testament than the Old Testament. The Old Testament has many, many rich things, but we want to understand them uh, from the perspective of the New Testament. Some people find uh, a translation other, maybe many anymore, find a translation other than the King James to be helpful. Um, Some like to read the Bible in a year. Some like to go more slowly. Some like to uh, read a book then read the book again and again, maybe a number of times, maybe in several translations, maybe quickly once through, and then slowly, verse by verse, chapter by chapter over the course of some days, and just allowing it to soak in. And I I think a mix of all those things I've found them good and helpful. Have some kind of a plan. Uh, Many uh, through the Bibles in a year books have, Bibles have the, have some from the Psalms maybe and um, some, an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading and variations. Some have enjoyed reading through the Bible through a chronological Bible. Not all chronological Bibles agree on what the chronology should be, but it can give you uh, some insight. Reading the Bible. Illumination. Meeting God. God's Spirit speaking to us. Then, uh, the seventh characteristic I have is assimilation. Uh, we're kind of switching from light to, uh, to food, aren't we? But there's a process in plants where the plant absorbs the nutrients from the soil that it takes up, nutrients for growth, and processes it so that the plant grows and bears fruit. 
And so in humans, <clears throat> in Christians, it is receiving and responding to new information and making it a part of my life. <clears throat> Digesting spiritual food. Meditation. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Reflecting on the truth received. And then reaching con conclusions about it. Practical ways that it applies to me. Not the look at the mirror and then leave it like James talks about. But rather life-changing conviction and decisions. The Spirit of God at work. Sometimes we conclude, I haven't been doing this. And there is confession, <laughs> confession of a lack or a shortcoming or a sin. I haven't been what I should be. Sometimes it is, I will, a commitment to the will of God. Sometimes it is, I can, by God's grace, with God's help, encouraged by a promise of God's, I can go forward. I can do this. All the result of seed, the word on good soil. <clears throat> An eighth characteristic <clears throat> Oh, uh, I just I thought about this during the Sunday school time that uh, what uh, we saw there in, in James, what Joe called attention to especially, um, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts and so forth. That's where, you know, that's when those sorts of things happen. And we're in Hebrews 4. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. That's where these things happen. But an eighth uh, characteristic is supplication. Laying our needs out before the, before the Lord. Acknowledging how needy we are. Give us this day our daily bread. For grace to help in time of need. For deliverance, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Intercession for others that we are burdened about, for the church, for our mission here as individuals and as a body. Many, many things we can bring to the Lord and find encouragement and grace and guidance. It's part of devotional life. A ninth characteristic of a perfect devotions is delight. Delight. Blessing. The joy of the Lord. Jesus said these things uh, back in John, um, that your joy might be full. Not necessarily 
is joy, a joyful emotion constantly there? And, and we don't have our devotions. And we don't seek the Lord for the, for the primary purpose of being happy. That's not where it starts. But joy is a fruit. It is a result. And joy will come when a prepared heart consistently meets with God. And desire increases. And you'll find yourself looking forward to that time with the Lord. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When a wonderful God is our Father and our friend, time with Him is a joy. Uh, Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 1.8, Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I think Peter looked forward to his devotional life. I think he looked forward to his time with God and with his with the word. I believe the psalmist looked forward to time with God. If devotions is a chore dutifully done and the only satisfaction is the satisfaction that you can mark it off of your have-to-do list, that begins to affect motivation to have devotions. I know it does. And it's easier to miss it. And it's easier to skip it. And the pace, the frequency begin to slow. And even finally come to a halt. That's not good. So if... If it's dry, and if it um, isn't meaningful, and you aren't feeling blessed, don't give up. That would be that would be a grave mistake. But rather take steps that will bring you to fruit and will bring you to a place where you know you've met the Lord and make it a consistent time and make it a long enough time that uh, like the disciples that went to Emmaus, their hearts burned within them when they had been with Jesus 
and make sure that your heart is prepared and you are worshiping and praying and communing with God. And the joy will come. And that you're following what you learn, what you hear. A tenth characteristic of uh, perfect devotions is kind of a fruit, I guess you could say. And that is, it's a devotional, there's a devotional life. Devotional time is not done with a Bible reading and a prayer, but it is a, it is a worship lived. We are living. Our obligation to God is not uh, a certain amount of time in the day to read our Bible and pray, but there's a devotional life in between our devotional times. And meditation continues. We continue to think about what we've read and heard and thought about. The things of God come more easily to mind. The psalmist said, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. There is obedience. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. From Psalm 119. We're more apt to have a sense of the presence of God. Like the psalmist did, Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid Thine hand upon me. And you're, you're here with me, around me. And there is ongoing communion and praise and prayer. The eunuch, after he was baptized, he saw Philip no more. Philip was gone. But the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Philip was gone God was not gone. Why aren't our devotions perfect? It may be human frailty, weariness, stress, overloaded with duties, discouragement, pulled down by circumstances. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels and earthen vessels get weary and tired and stressed and discouraged. Well, the solution is God. We really do need him then. And the rest of that verse says that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So we have this treasure in earthen vessels and we're subject to weariness and stress and discouragement. But even these earthen vessels can experience the excellency of the power of God and not just the strength of earth. Our devotions may not be going great because our priorities aren't what they should be. Maybe things of earth are too important. Fun is more important than fellowship with God. Or work and responsibilities come before God. And the solution is to check our priorities with God's help. 
and reorder them. Maybe we need to change our schedules. Or it may be that our devotions are affected by carnality and sin, which makes us frail and messes up our priorities. Maybe we're too often yielding to the lower nature. Maybe there is unconfessed, unforsaken sin that limits the spirit and it gives Satan a foothold and brings temptations, brings defeat. And the solution is to repent, forsake, and find cleansing. I'm not standing here as somebody who has um, who has always had a wonderful devotional life. I have not. But I have come, and, and I have had many dry stretches and brief devotions, I confess. But I have come to realize and see the importance and the value, how critically important it is. And I know what it means to um, look forward to a devotional time, and I'm not saying I look forward to it every day, in the same way, but I more often look forward to it than I did years ago. And I don't think it's me. I am an earthen vessel, but I think it is a fruit of sometimes doing right enough times that I'm making progress in the right direction. Pray for me, please. That's how I feel. And, uh, Let's do pray for each other in that regard. There are rich rewards. Notice with me from Acts. In Acts 6 verse 7 it said, says, and the word of God increased. And the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. In Acts 12, verse 24, but the word of God grew and multiplied. In Acts 19, verse 20, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And these verses aren't saying that more words were being added to the scripture, but rather that the word of God was growing in its influence and power in, in the lives of individuals and in the church. So that was happening in Acts. That was happening in Jerusalem. And it's happening today. And it can happen here among us, even you and me. That's my encouragement for the day. And uh, remembering from John 15, Christ is the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Herein is my Father glorified 
that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. May the Lord bless us. Shall we have a closing song?